How many had a good day? Did you have a good day? How many of you had a good week? A good month? How about a good year? All right, some of you didn't raise your hand. Hopefully, uh, maybe it's financially related, and uh, hopefully if you can get a hold of some, uh, some of these principles and uh, put them in effect, uh, things might turn around for you. Things will be better. All right, let's begin with a brief uh, review of what we've learned in our study. We're talking about uh, biblical principles for financial success, uh, talking about uh, some of Solomon's secrets to financial success. Actually, we've heard so far, uh, this is the sixth lesson, and so far we've, uh, we've heard from Solomon, we've heard from Jesus, we've heard from Dave Ramsey, and we've heard from Mike Benson. Uh, so... I might add that uh, all four of us have very strong opinions on just about everything. So, uh, Let me ask you this before we really get started. Uh, tonight. How many of you have at least done something productive uh, out of, as a result of this class? You've, already, you've done something productive already, all right? Um, how many of you uh, have have kept track of your spending for maybe for a week or a few days at least. You, you, you wrote down everything that, that you spent your money on, all right? Uh, were there any surprises? You see any surprises? You see, I see some heads shaking. Did, were there some recurring things? Uh, maybe that even uh, recurred more than you thought they would or should? Okay, some, some heads are nodding. Uh, how many of you have created a budget? Have you created a budget? Working on it. Working on it. Okay. Uh, you've developed a plan. You've de- all right. Some hands going up. Uh, how, is anybody here that you've already paid off a debt since we started this class? You paid off a debt. Maybe it was a small debt or whatever. No? Not yet, but working towards it. Oh, we have? Okay. We paid off a, paid off a debt. All right. Uh, well, let me just ask this one. Uh, you have uh, uh, determined uh, to do better. All right, I was hoping that would be 100%. It's not, but <laughs> uh, at least I don't have liars in this class. That's good. That's, that, that, that's good. Actually, maybe one or two. This is your first night, so that's probably the reason. Uh, so let, let me just really, really quickly, because uh, we do have one or two that's brand new, so uh, let, me, let me get you caught up. Um, first of all, we've talked about developing a plan, developing a plan. It's impossible to be uh, serious about anything without a plan. Now, this, these, these are not in your notes because these are reviews, all right? Uh, it's impossible to be serious about anything without a plan. Without a plan, it's just talk. So you need to develop a plan, and I've already given you a plan. So, And by the way, if you haven't been in all of these classes, you can get online, and all of these lessons are online, okay? So you can listen to the ones that you've missed. Second thing we talked about was take personal responsibility for your financial success. 
Take personal responsibility for your financial success. At the end of the day, it's you and only you that will be responsible for your success or failure. At the end of the day, you will not be able to point your finger at anyone but yourself. It's up to you. And you're deciding in this class, you're deciding tonight, you're deciding what your financial future is going to look like. And if you don't like the way your financial uh, finances are looking today, uh, then just keep on doing what you've been doing and it, it'll just keep being the same or getting worse. The only way it's going to get any better is if you make some changes, right? And so tonight you're deciding by what you choose to do or what you choose not to do with the information that you receive, you are deciding what your financial future is going to look like. So don't blame anyone else. You're going to get the information. You're going to get uh, the resources you need. Uh, to make major changes in your life financially. You're making the decision. It's up to you, not anybody else. Third thing we talked about was don't be naive. Don't be naive. Listen, nothing magical is going to happen to you. You're not going to pick up a bottle and rub it and and a genie is going to pop out and give you three wishes, all right? It's not going to happen. You're not going to win the lottery, okay? not going to happen, okay? Don't be naive. If something uh, uh, good happens to you financially, it will be because you made it happen. With God's help, of course. But let me tell you that God doesn't usually work for us. Let me say that. God doesn't usually work for us. Rather, he usually works through us. Through us. Okay? And in us. Okay? Don't be naive. Number four. Another key to financial success, biblical financial success, ask the wise. Ask the wise. Seek wisdom and guidance from people who have a proven track record in the particular area that you need help in. Okay? If you need help in your marriage, don't go to marriage counseling. Seek marriage advice from somebody who's been divorced five times. Okay? Okay? They, they, they probably have, they do have some wisdom somewhere, but it's not in the area of marriage, okay? So that's not who you go to. Ask the wise. Find somebody who has a proven track record in the particular area that you need help in. You need financial advice? Talk to somebody who's got their finances together. Not somebody that just looks good on the outside, but somebody that you know. Because we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Uh, you know, everything on the surface is not as it appears, okay? Everything's not as it appears on the surface. A lot of stuff's just facade. A lot of it's just appearance. You get, you get down to the nitty-gritty, get inside the door there, it's not, not quite so pretty, okay? So find somebody that's got their finances together and uh, doing well with what they have. Seek advice from wise people. Walk with the wise, the Bible says, and you'll become wise. All right, number five. Last Wednesday night, we talked about this principle. To get more, you must give more. To get more, you must give more. Uh, Some sayings I like to say uh, is, if God can get it through you, he will get it to you. Um, I believe that God invests in those who invest in his work. God invests in those who invest in his work. Another thing I like to say is, be a giver, 
And God will make sure you always have something to give. Be a giver, and God will always make sure you have something to give. The problem with most people is they believe that more is for me. They have the mentality that more is for me. And so every time they get a little bit more, whether that be a raise or a bonus or a better job or a windfall, anytime more comes their way, they go, oh, more is for me. And so immediately they just spend it on me, 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 me. A bigger house, a nicer car, better cut of meat, uh, better clothes, a country club membership. They think more is for me. Well, I'm not telling you that none of the more is for you, but not all of it is. Don't get the mentality, more is for me. No, more is for sharing. More is for sharing, okay? All right? Uh, Prove to God that you'll be faithful with the little bit that you have, and he will then be able to trust you with more. Jesus said, he who is faithful with little will be faithful with much. He who is unfaithful in little will be unfaithful with much. See, see how you handle uh, $100 is the way you will handle a million dollars. See, for most people, the way you handled your allowance when you were a child is the way you handle your salary as an adult. Now, it doesn't have to be that way. It isn't always that way. But remember, the greatest indicator of what a person will do is what they have done. Okay? So when I was a little boy and I got a dollar a week for allowance, you know, that's back in the caveman days. Okay, I got a dollar a week for allowance, you know, for making my bed and cleaning my room and doing the dishes and whatever else that I was supposed to. When I got my dollar a week for my allowance, first of all, first of all, uh, you know, I gave my daddy 12 cents, okay? 10 cents for tithe because I didn't want to spend it. He was a pastor, and I know I wasn't supposed to give it to him directly, but I want to make sure I, make sure I put that, you know, got that tithe. Dad said, no, son, you don't give it to me. You put it in the church. I said, yeah, but Daddy, I, I, want, I said, well, then would you hold it for me and then, you know, till Sunday so I can put it in, okay? And then I had two cents for offering, see, because I, you know, okay, so ten cents. I don't even know. I'm just making up figures, okay? Might, I might have been so great, so, so, so generous I gave a nickel. I don't know, but I did. I put aside tithe and offering. My first, for the dollar I got for my, for my uh, allowance. And then, basically, I saved the rest. I saved the rest. I might spend a little bit, but very, very little. I told you about the time that I wanted the cowboy hat. Wanted it, had the money in my pocket, looked at it week after week after week, tried it on, always left the store without the cowboy hat. Been a saver my whole life. From the time I got, was, a, was a, a kid, I got a dollar allowance, okay? So today I'm still a saver, still a saver. And uh, so, um, what you do, so I'm telling you, what you do with $100, you do the same thing with a, with a million. You think my problem is I don't have enough money. No, the problem is you're not handling what you have right. If you'll be faithful what you have, then God can give you more to handle. Okay? All right? Now, 
The greatest indicator of what a person will do is what they have, have done. That's, that's, that's true, but it doesn't have to be. You can break it. You can break it, but it takes determination. It takes a plan. It takes work. It takes rethinking, reprogramming yourself. Otherwise, you're just on autopilot. Okay? And some of you have been broke so long that you think that's just your lot in life, and that's just the way you're going to be, and that's just the way it's supposed to be. No, you can break that cycle. You can break that, that, that way of thinking. And I already, already proved to you and told, told you that it's not necessarily the amount, it's, it, it's, it's the time and the consistency. If we mismanage what we have, why would God want to give us more? But if we are wise, if we are frugal, if we are careful, if we are successful with what we have, then surely he would then want to give us more of his resources to manage. Because what we need to understand, it's not ours anyway. We are what? We are stewards. What is a, the Bible calls us a steward. What is a steward? A steward is a manager of somebody else's property. And that's what we are. We are stewards. Stewards, we are managers of God's property. And some people bow up and get mad and get angry when the preacher preaches about tithing and God demands 10% of your income and, and they just bow up and get mad and some have even left the church over it. Well, let me make you even matter. 10% doesn't belong to God. 100% belongs to God. It ain't in, None of it's yours. It's God's. You're a steward. You are a manager of God's property. And one day you're going to stand before God at the judgment seat of Christ and you are going to give an account of what you did with God's stuff. You're not just going to have to give an account of whether or not you tithed or not. God's going to say, what did you do with my stuff? How would you manage my stuff? We need to understand that. Money is a very spiritual matter. And we need to understand that. Okay. All right, let's, uh, let's look at Solomon's sixth secret to financial success, uh, our lesson for tonight. Now, this is rocket science tonight. The rest of it's been really, really simple, but this is, this is rocket science now. So how many of you are ready for something really deep? I mean, something you can get your teeth in. I mean... All right, get your thinking cap on. All right, everybody put your thinking cap on. Put it on. Get ready to go deep. Are you ready for it? You think you can handle it? All right, here it is. Live below your means. Wow, that's deep, isn't it? Live below your means. (laughs) Spend less money than you make. Wow, isn't that deep? That's hard, isn't it? That's hard. No, it's not. It's simple. It's ridiculously simple. But that's all it takes. Everybody struggles, you know, or not everybody, but most people struggle financially. They do. Most people struggle financially as if it's some difficult, hard, rocket science kind of thing when it's as simple as living on less money than you make, saving and investing what's left over. Wow. 
Wow. Now, first of all, we tithe, right? So we get out from under the curse and get under the blessing. Okay? So first of all, we tithe. Then second of all, we live below our means. We spend less than we make. And then we take what's left over, save, and invest it. Proverbs chapter 13 and, seven, and verse 7 says, Some who are poor pretend to be rich. Some who are poor pretend to be rich. You know what? That's the average American today. That's the average American today. Too many Americans today are playing pretend. Now, let me go on record and tell you that it's okay to play pretend. It's okay to play make-believe. If you're under 12. In fact, if you're under 12, you ought to be playing make-believe. You ought to be playing pretend. You ought to be playing uh, dress-up. Okay? I mean, I remember when I was a kid, you know, I, you know I, one day I was Superman. And next day I was the Lone Ranger, you know. Next day I was Sergeant Saunders on combat. How many of you are old enough to remember that show? Just two of us. <laughs> two old geezers in here. Yes, sir. Sergeant Saunders, combat. Yes, sir. I had it all. I had the camouflage outfit and had the canteen on my side and the belt, you know, with all the stuff, you know, and, and had my machine gun. <laughs> you know, I had it all, man. I, it's okay to play pretend. It's okay to play dress up. It's okay to play make believe. If you're a kid, I don't see any kids in here. And yet, I'm not pointing any fingers, and I don't know, I honestly. But some of you here are playing pretend. You're playing make-believe. We'll talk about that in a minute. I remember when I was about 10, maybe 9, maybe 10 years old or so, we had some family friends. And, you know, I'm just a kid, and I, I just thought, these, kid, these people are wealthy, man. They are wealthy. Uh, because they lived in a, in a big new house. Now, you know, probably today it wouldn't be that big, you know, but for the day, you know. 50 years ago, that's how long it would be if I was t 10, uh, you know. Uh, how many of the houses have gotten bigger? The average size of the houses has gotten bigger. I mean, when I was a kid, you know, somebody had a 1,500-square-foot house. They had a big house, 2,000 of mansion, you know, right? I mean, 40, 50 years ago, yeah. So I don't know what size their house was, but compared to our house, I mean, they, they had a big new brick house, you know, uh, they drove a huge new car, man, one of, those, one of those old Lincolns, you know, that were so, you know, they were about a block long, you know. And I'll, I'll really date myself, but, but it was one of those Lincolns that, that the, car, the, the car door opened opposite of everybody else's. Do you, David, do you remember those? Instead of opening this way, they opened this way. Man, I mean, the, backs, the, back, the back ones did. They opened opposite of that. I never seen anything like that, and uh, they ate out at you know fancy restaurants, man. And uh, and to a to a ten year old boy whose family was you know middle class at at most, uh, to me, man, these people are rich. And I'll, I'll never forget. I can still 
go back in my mind and, and remember uh, the day that I, I said to my father as they were driving away in their big old, you know, block-long Lincoln Continental, I, I said to my dad, I said, I, I, I wish we were rich like the Smiths. Their name wasn't Smith, but I, I wish we were rich like the Smiths. And I'll never forget my dad laughing. And my dad said, son, they're not rich. They're just in debt. Now, I didn't know what debt was. I didn't know what dad was talking about, but I know now. He said, son, they're not rich. They're just in debt. Um, I didn't understand what, he, what, what dad was talking about, but I do remember, though, uh, a couple of years later, these people lost everything they had. They lost the big house. They lost the big car. They lost everything. They went bankrupt because they spent far more than they made. Statistics tell us that the average American spends 10 to 20% more than they make. The average American spends 10 to 20% more than they make. Now, that may not sound like a whole lot to you, but you know what? In two years, in three years, in four years, in five years. And, and here's what's really sad about that. Some, some of these people that are spending 10 to 20% more than they make are, are making six figures. They're making $100,000. You know, I just, I don't know. I know $100,000 is not what it was 20 years ago or 10 years ago, but I still think, you know, if a person makes $100,000 a year, they could probably, you know, just kind of, kind of, get by and kind of trust God for the rest. You know what I'm talking about? I'm joking. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking 100 grand a day. It may not be what it was 10 years ago or 20 years ago, but I'm telling you, $100 or $100,000 a year today, I think it's still, you still ought to be able to live pretty good, huh? But some people making six figures, some people making 200000 some people making a quarter of a million dollars a year. I know that's ridiculous for some of you to even think of, but they're out there. And even some of these people are spending 10 to 20% more than they make. I, I know per, people personally. I've seen people. I've watched them live, you know, crazy, making all these big bucks. You know, I, I, I come from, from, from Midland, you know, and I, uh, and, and I know what, what it's like. I know what the, the oil boom is like, and I know what the oil bust is like. And I got a good friend out there that was riding high with the oil boom. And I said, look, you know, it busts, it'll bust again. I'm not, if you know me, you know I am not a pessimist. I am not a pessimist. I'm not an optimist either. I'm a realist. I'm a realist, okay? And I know what goes up is going to come down. That's not, that's not negative. That's not a negative attitude. It's reality, Okay? And so, and so I, I cautioned my buddy. I said, you know, when it, you know, it's riding high, but it ain't always going to be that way. It ain't going to always be that way. And things are up now, so now will be a good time for you to get out. Now will be a good time for you to, to sell some of this property, do some of this stuff. Because you, you have seen it. I just heard about it, but you have seen it, and it's going to happen again. And guess what's happening? It's on the way down. Okay? I didn't say we had a bust. But it's not what it was, and it's on the way down. Uh, 
What's the matter with us Americans? We think we are so smart. We, we, you know, we, 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 we kind of have a, uh, an elitist mentality in America. We just think we are so, so smart. We think we're smarter than anybody else in the world. We think we are so smart. But most of us are dumber than a box of rocks. Because we can't even do simple math. Okay, I'm a little over the top. Okay, that's just me, but I'm trying to get your attention, okay? We can't even do simple math. When you spend more than you take in, when, you're spent, when the average American is spending 10 to 20% more than they're taking in, they can't even add. Right? Don't look at me in that total voice. Right? Help me out a little bit. Okay, it's Wednesday. You worked hard. You're tired. Okay. Um, I like what Dave Ramsey says. Dave Ramsey says, act your wage. Ever heard anybody say, act your age? He says, act your wage. Act your wage. But really, I don't, and he teaches, he doesn't even really teach that. I don't teach that. Really, you need to, you need to act under your wage. You need to live below your means, okay? All right. See, because most Americans live without margin. They live without margin. They set their budget up without margin, if they have one. They set their life. Whether, everybody has a budget, whether they sell paper or not. They, you know, they figure out what, you know, they have, at least they have a plan or something in mind of what they can do and what they can't do. But they set it up. They set it up without margin. You know. I, I can, I can, I can, I can make it. I can make it, you know, if I don't lose my job. I can make it if I get, you know, uh, eight hours a week overtime. I can make it uh, if I get the same or better uh, bonus this year that I got last year. I can make it, you know, uh, if, uh, if 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 the kids don't get sick. I, I can make it, you know, I can make it um, if this doesn't happen or that doesn't happen. Well, guess what? The kids are going to get sick. Guess what? You are going to lose your job. It may not be this year. It may not be next year. It may not be the year after, but you're going to lose your job. Sorry, you're going to lose your job. There's that pessimist again. No, I'm a realist. I'm telling you today, the day that you go and work for your company for 30 years and get the golden parachute is over. It's over. How many of you already have had to redefine, your, redefine yourself? You've had to start, all right, there's one right there. There's one right there. There's one right there already. There's one right there. Okay? I, I don't remember the number, but it's, it's several Times you're going to have to, three or four times probably. Not that you're going to have to redo your whole thing, but that you will lose your job in your career today. For whatever reason. Doesn't mean you've done anything wrong. It's just one day the boss decides, I'm going to restructure this. Or one day the, the boss says, you know what? Man, I'm paying you 75000 I can get me a rookie and pay him forty. Hey, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, 
I'm not trying to depress you, and I'm not trying to be pessimistic. I'm just I'm trying to get you to have a plan. I'm trying to. You need some margin. You need some margin. Okay. You don't really have to be very smart to figure out that you can't spend more than you make without getting yourself into trouble. Somebody said if your outgo exceeds your income, your upkeep will be your downfall. Like what one fellow said, one fellow said his problem was his outgoing income. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, his outgoing income. You know what? You don't have to be a brain surgeon. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to get this. When I was six, six, I knew that if I had 25 cents, yeah, 25 cents would buy something when I was six. That's how old I am. I knew when I was six, I knew that if I had 25 cents, I couldn't buy something that cost 50 cents. I knew that at six. But people at 25, 30, 40, 50 don't understand that if they make $35,000 a year, they can't live like they make $70,000. When we knew it at six. My son has two little girls and Briley and Addie. And <clears throat> when Briley was eight and Addie was seven, um, and, and Briley and Addie have totally opposite personalities. And uh, Briley is very, very serious and Addie's very non serious. Uh, Riley is very studious. Uh, Addie's all about fun. Okay? Um, uh, both awesome, incredible girls in their own right. Just opposites, just different. Just because we're all different, right? So when Briley, now Briley's 12 and Addie's about to be a, 11. But when Briley was 8 and, and Addie was 7, uh, my wife had them in the mall. And so Grammy takes the grandgirls because that's what Grammy does, into Build-A-Bear. And Briley picks out a Build-A-Bear, you know, and then you pick one off the shelf, and then you build them the way you want them. And Briley picked a kind of a medium-priced uh, bear off the shelf, and Addie picked the most expensive bear in the whole store out. And my wife is listening, and Briley says to Addie, Put that back. Put that back. That's too much money. That's too much money. Grammy does not need to spend that much money. You put that back. She's eight years old. Addie, you put that. And Addie's not putting it back. You know? And so Grammy steps in and Grammy says to Briley, Briley, it's okay. If this is the one that Addie wants, if she really wants this, Grammy will buy it for her. And Briley said to Grammy, but Grammy, I'm very conscious of the cost. She's eight, and she's conscious of the cost. Well, I wish there were more Briley's in the world, amen? What am I saying? I'm I'm saying we know better, don't we? We know better. Uh, But Americans today are playing pretend. They're playing make-believe. 
It's okay for kids to play make-believe. It's okay for kids to play dress-up. It's okay for kids to play, play pretend because it's a kid's game. The problem is the parents are playing pretend. They're playing make-believe. They know they don't make enough money to live where they live. They know they don't make enough money to drive what they are driving. They know they don't make enough money to eat where they are eating. But let's just play make-believe. Let's just play pretend. The problem is, in order to play make-believe, in order for them as adults to pretend, they're going to need a second mortgage. In order to play make-believe, in order to pretend, they're going to have to max out two, three, four, five credit cards. When I was doing a lesson like this once, Sandy Knowles said that she heard or read, and it depends on who you listen to and read, so I, you know, don't, doesn't matter, it's too much, that's all that matters, but she said that she read or heard that the average American today owes $16,000 on credit cards. That's double what it was just 10 years ago. I don't know what the ac- accurate figure is. It doesn't matter. It's, I'll tell you how much it is. It's too, too much, too much. If it's a dollar, it's too much, okay? People today are spending money they don't have to buy things they don't need to impress people they don't even like. Hear this tonight. Hear it loud and clear. You have nothing to prove to anyone. You need to get that through your head. You have nothing to prove to anyone. Stop trying to impress people. It's funny. Sometimes, you know, my wife will say, well, does my hair look okay? Or... Does my dress look okay, or does this look okay, or whatever? And, and you know, and she's real, you know, I'll say, honey. Now, I know this isn't 100% true, but people aren't looking at you. They're worried about how they look. They're worried about how they look. So, yeah, you know, do I want my wife to look nice? Absolutely, you know. But listen, people, listen, people are looking at you, you know, a whole lot less than you think they are, okay? Because they're all concerned about themselves and consumed with themselves and how they look and how they feel, and Okay? So stop trying to impress people because the reality is they're trying to impress you. And stop trying to keep up with the Joneses. Because, see, the Joneses aren't rich. After all, they're just in debt. They're not, they're, 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 they're not rich. They're just in debt. And stop trying to be the average American. Because the average American is playing make-believe. The average American is playing dress-up. The average American is playing pretend. So stop trying to be an average American. Because the average American is living a lie. 
They are presenting something that isn't true. Kind of like the man, you know, they do weird things in California, right? We can talk about Californians because we're from Texas, all right? They do weird things in California. But I actually heard this was a true, true account that there was a funeral procession that, that went by and, and, uh, and this guy was so, so rich that he wanted to be buried in his Ferrari. And so they propped this dead corpse up in his, in his red Ferrari and they were on their way to the cemetery to bury this man. He's, he's, he's propped up in his red Ferrari. Somebody sees this go by and, and is overheard to say, Wow, that's what I call living. No, he's dead. He's dead. I don't care if he's in a Ferrari. He's dead. Doesn't matter what he's in. He's dead. Things aren't always as they appear on the surface. So stop being jealous of your sister or your brother or your uncle. Because of the lifestyle they're living, you don't have their lifestyle. Listen, it may not be, but it probably is a lie. They're living beyond their means. They are mortgaged to the hilt. They're drowning in a sea of debt. They're spending 10 to 20% more than they make. So stop being jealous of them. Stop being envious of them. Stop trying to be the average American. Because the average in America today is broke and in debt. You want to be average? Average in America is broke and in debt. Do you want to be average? William Corbett said, thousands upon thousands are yearly brought into a state of real poverty by their great anxiety not to be thought poor. May I tell you that the real issue is pride? I'll never forget when I was just a little boy, probably about probably around eight or nine years old, had a best buddy, and we always had sleepovers. Every weekend we'd have sleepovers. Either I'd be at his house or he'd be at my house every weekend. We played baseball together, little league. His dad was our coach. We were the one one, two players on the team. I was number one, he was number two, of course. And I'll never forget, it was, it was getting close to Christmas. And Mom had the Christmas tree up, but there weren't no presents under the Christmas tree. And Stevie Ray Armstrong was coming to spend the, weekend, spend the night with me. And I didn't want Stevie Ray to think that I was poor. So I asked Mama, I said, Mama, I know you've got some Christmas presents somewhere hid in this house. Would you please wrap them up and put them under the tree? Why did I want him, her to wrap them up and put them under the tree? Because I didn't want Stevie Ray Armstrong to think that we were poor. And I thought if he comes and sees our Christmas tree without anything under it, he'll think we're poor. Can I tell you, that's that, what was going on in my little heart at eight or nine years old is going on in the heart of most people today. 
They don't want anybody to think they're poor. So they're, they're so so they'll get a second mortgage, or they'll buy over their spend more money than they than they can afford, or more money than they have. Our pride drives us to keep pace with everybody else, no matter what it actually costs us to do it. So we'll beg, borrow, or steal. Our pride drives us on. We have bought the lie. We have drank the Kool-Aid. Stop. Stop. Another saying I like to say is, I've got lots of them. Here's another one. I'd rather, I'd rather drive an old car than have a new car driving me. Some of you aren't driving a new car. Your new car's driving you. Ain't nothing wrong with a new car if you can afford it, okay? But most people that drive a new car can't afford it, okay? You have nothing to prove to anyone. Get off of that ridiculous merry-go-round of debt. Around and around and around you go, but it gets you nowhere. Here's what's funny. Here's what's funny. We envy someone else who is actually envying us, and I can prove it. I've told this story before, but many of you are brand new to the church, so you've never heard me tell the story, but a true, a true story. Um, I used to really, really love ties back when I was wearing the suit and tie, and that was the style, and I was wearing suit and ties every Sunday. Uh, so I loved ties, and nobody could shop for me. My wife couldn't shop for me. No one could shop for me. I loved ties, and, and I, could make a, I could take a blue suit and, you know, have, you know, seven outfits just with a different tie, okay? I loved ties, and, and I would, I'm not a shopper, but, but I would shop for a tie because the tie made the outfit. And I'm cheap, and so, you know, instead of buying a $300 suit, you know, I could buy a $30 tie and have a whole new outfit, okay? So that made sense. Okay, so, so, so one day I'm, I'm at a preacher's meeting, and I look across the aisle, and I see one of my fellow pastors and he's got on an awesome tie, man. And I just keep looking at that dude's tie. I'm thinking, man, that dude, he's almost as good at me as me at picking out ties, man. I mean, I mean, that guy's got taste. I mean, I'd buy I'm having fun with this, okay? I, I would I would buy that tie, man. Man, I wish I had that dude's tie. Wonder where he bought that tie. If I could just find out where he bought that tie, I'd go buy a tie just like that. I'm not kidding you going on in my mind. I'm thinking about it. I can't even hear the speaker for thinking about the tie. I'm envious. I want that dude's tie. I mean, I'm just about ready to go tackle him and take it off of him, man. I want his tie. I'm lying. I'm dying. I'm telling you the absolute truth. Every bit of that's true. Service is over. I stand up. That man walks over to me and says to me, man, I like your tie. 
I love that tie, man. He said, I couldn't even listen to the speaker speak. I was thinking, man, that guy, that guy knows how to buy ties, man. Wonder where he bought that tie. I'd love to have that tie. I love that dude's tie. I am telling you that honest to God's truth, God being my witness, that happened. We're envious of the very people that are envious of us. It's the truth. It's the truth. See, here's what I've learned, and that is we only want what we can't have. We only want what we can't have. I don't think that's in your notes, but it's worth writing down. We only want what we can't have. But if you write that down, write this down too. The truth is, we probably can have it. We probably can have it. Eventually. If we live below our means, then save and invest the surplus over some time. My wife and I recently bought a new home. It's a beautiful home. We're blessed, and God is so good and so faithful. We're so thankful. But I can tell you that there was a time in my wife and I's life we couldn't buy anything. We couldn't buy anything. I remember when we were first, first married, and, man, you know, my brothers were, and my sister were buying homes, and we couldn't buy it. We, we couldn't buy a house. My wife and I, and she's sitting back here to verify this, we drove around all over Oklahoma City looking for a burned-out house, a house that's been burned. Thinking, well, maybe we could, maybe we could buy that, and and I could fix it up. But we couldn't even afford that. Well, you know what? I'm not looking for burned-out houses anymore. I live in a beautiful home. We only want what we can't have, but the truth is we can have it. We can have it. I'm not saying you can have anything and everything, but I'm saying probably you can have it. If you live below your means, you're faithful to God, you're a tither, you're a giver, you live below your means, you take what's left over and you save and invest over time, you probably can have it. What is uh, Solomon's sixth Secret to financial success, live below your means. Spend less than you make. Save and invest the rest. Now, somebody answer this question really quick tonight. What is the hardest part of any job or project? The hardest job or the hardest part of any job or project, what is it? Getting started. Getting started. Doesn't matter what it is. It could be a diet. It could be an exercise routine. It could be cleaning out the garage, cleaning out your closets, cleaning out the attic, creating a budget. It doesn't matter what it is. The hardest part of any job or any project is getting just getting started. Just getting started. 
And I'm going to tell you something, some of the things that we dread so much, but once we get into it and get started, we actually enjoy it a little bit. At least we get into it and we get a little momentum and, you know, and, and, and it's not near as bad as we thought it was going to be. See, we all plan to, whatever it is, to ha- get a, have a diet, you know, get our finances order, you know, pray, uh, whatever it is. We all plan to tomorrow after the holidays when I make more money, this, that, some other. No, no, no. Start today, right now, where you are with what you have. When I get more, I'll do better. No, you won't. Not if you don't do better with what you have. Start small. Start with what you have. Just get started. Let me tell you that it will never be easier than it is right now. It will never be easier than it is right now. Each new day will bring with it new complications and reasons why you can't or why it will be harder. And those of you that are young, I wish Megan were here tonight. I don't think she's feeling well, but she would be the youngest that has been in this class. Uh, but you that are young, start right now. Um, no matter how small the amount, just get started and start off right, and it will uh, and and make it one of your life's habits. Let me just uh, take a poll real quick of those who are forty or older in this class. If you're forty or older in this class, raise your hand. You're forty or older. This class, okay? All right. Those of you, it's about half of this class. You are 40 or older in this class. Those of you that are 40 or older in this class, how many of you regret not being smarter with your money when you were age 18 to 40? You regret not being smarter. All right. I think that's everybody, but maybe one or two. Yeah. Yeah. How many of you wish you had started saving and investing at that age? Huh? No, no. No, I think you misunderstood my question. That's why you didn't raise your hand. I said, those of you that are 40 or older, how many regret that you, that you uh, uh, weren't, were not smarter with your money when you were younger? Do you wish you were smarter with your money when you were younger? Okay, yes. Okay, I thought so. You just misunderstood me. Okay. All right. And how many of you wish, those of you that are 40 or older, you wish that you would have started saving and investing when you were young? Sure. All of us. All of us. That being said, those of you that are younger, you don't have to, don't, don't, be, don't get our age and, and, and regret. First of all, when I was younger, nobody was teaching this when I was, when I was 18, 19, 20 years old. If they were, I, didn't, I wasn't hearing it. Many are teaching it now, but very few were teaching it back then, okay? And especially in the church, because back then Jesus was coming, you're, you know, and he's coming tomorrow, so, you know. And do I still believe Jesus is coming? Yes. But I also uh, know that a day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. So that means to, that he's only been gone two days. Okay? Do I believe he can come tomorrow? Yes. But if he doesn't come tomorrow, I still want to eat. Okay? So I'm going to live like Jesus is coming tonight, but I'm going to prepare like he's never coming. Does that make sense? 
All right. See, the problem is those of us that are a little older, we have to save and invest three, four, five times more than those of you that uh, are in your 20s and 30s. Our time for building financial security for our retirement years are running out, and you're just starting out. So start out right and start out now, and don't make the same mistakes we did. And please do not mortgage your life trying to keep up with someone who is actually playing pretend and living a lie and playing make-believe. All right, let me, I've got to hurry here. Let me give you two reasons why people don't save and invest. Two reasons why people don't save and invest. Number one, as we age, there are more demands on our money. As we age, there are more demands on our money. The older we get, the more money we need. See, when you're single, you're only responsible for yourself. When you get married, now there's two of you. And whoever said two could live as cheaply as one didn't know how to do simple math. And And seldom do two get together without multiplying. And now there's three or four or five or six in the family. Okay? Now there are more mouths to feed, more clothes to buy, buy. The house has to be bigger, and on and on and on it goes. And the older the kids get, the more they cost. You complain about baby wipes and formula and diapers. Well, that's the cheapest part of their life. When they get older, they cost more. Their clothes cost more. Their shoes cost more. They eat more than dad. If they're a boy, that's for sure. A teenage boy, you can't fill him up. And then there's sports. And you've got to buy their uniforms. And nowadays, you've got to pay their coaches. Because they're not just playing in school. They've got to have, what is it? Club, club soccer. And the coach gets paid. And guess who's paying the coach? You are. And then there's entertainment. And then there's cars. And there's insurance. And then there's fender benders, because every 16-year-old kid wrecks their car. Every one of them. At least a fender bender. Anybody had a teenage kid that didn't have a fender bender? You did? You are the very... They didn't tell you. They got it fixed. Got Uncle Joe to pay for it. And then they want to go to college. And then they want to get married. And Dad, you're like me. You give them a budget and they laugh at you. Because your budget ain't going to make it. And then there's grandkids. And you'll do for your grandkids what you'd never do for your own kid. There will never be a better time to start than right now. And your saving and investing will never do more good for you than it will if you start right now. And it's because of the law of 72. How many, under, how many know what the law of 72 is? You know what the law of 72 is? One person? Anybody else know what the law of 72 is? 
Let me tell you what the law of 72 is. You need to learn the law of 72. And I, I can't, I'm very, very sloppy, okay? But here's the law of 72. All right, here's 72. Law of 72. Take the law of 72, divide it by the percentage of, of return, okay? Let's say, let's say you got $10,000 and you're making 9% on, on it. You got it in mutual funds and you're making 9% on your $10,000, okay? So you got 72, here's your 9%. All right, 72 divided by 9 is what? The law of 72 tells you that your $10,000 will double in 8 years. That makes sense? Law of 72. What are you making on your money? What percentage? Are you making on your money? If you're making 9% on your money in mutual funds, you couldn't make it in CDs, right, or anything like that. But if you're making it, if you have it in, in good, uh, good uh, mutual funds with a 10 to 20%, a 10 to 20-year track record, good track record, 9%. Dave Ramsey says 12. I don't believe it, even if he is Dave Ramsey. But if you could make 9% on them, it would take you eight years to double your money, Okay. So, in eight years, all right, you started with 10,000, right? So, in eight years, it's going to double, right? So, now how much do you have? 20,000. Okay, 20,000. So, now, the law of 72 says that in, at 9%, in eight years, it's, this is going to double. All right? So now how much do you have? 40,000. Okay? So the law of 72 says that in eight more years, at 9%, this is going to double. How much you got now? 80,000. Law of 72 says at 9% in eight more years, this is going to double. How much are you going to have now? How much? 160? Now we're gaining some ground, aren't we? What if this doubles? How much are you going to have? 320,000. What if that doubled? See what I'm saying? See what I'm saying? And you only started with $10,000. You didn't start with a million. You started with 10000 So what do we need to do? We need to start early, don't we? Because, you know, I don't have very many of these left. I'm 60. Okay, my plan is to live to 90. So I got 30 years. So, so I got 30 years left, okay? So how many of these do I have? I still have four of those left, right, if I make it. I have four of those left. And I'll tell you, I do have, I have more than this. See, you understand what I'm saying? The earlier you start, 
And see, I'm, we're just talking about doubling. But what you don't understand is if you're putting something in every single month, every single month, every single month, it's just compounding, 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 compounding. That's the reason why. That's the reason why if you start off at 20, you don't have to do a whole lot, but you do it consistently week after week after week after week after week after week. And that doubles and that doubles and that doubles and that doubles and that doubles. Does that make sense? How many is clear on this? Do you understand the law of 72? It's pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. That's the reason why I told you that man, remember I told you that pastor that never made over how much? I I said he never made over 12,000, but it was actually he never made over 8,000. In his whole career as a pastor, yet he ended up with a million and a half dollars. I already told you about that. Why? Because he started early, he was consistent, and he had a couple of breaks. He, he, he got some really, good, some really good stocks that he invested in, in, in a company that just went crazy, okay? But the key is doing it early, doing it early, doing it early. I'm out of time, so let me jump over here. Uh, I want to make sure you get all your blanks filled in because... You go crazy if I don't, if I don't, we don't fill in the blanks. Um, all right, the se- okay, what, I've, all right, where are we at? Show me. All right, number two. All right, real quickly. The second reason why people don't save and invest is Madison Avenue. What do I mean, what do I mean by that? Studies have shown that the average American today receives between one and 3,000 marketing messages every single day. Advertisements on TV, radio, internet, email, billboards, direct mail, etc., 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 all of them bound, coming at us, coming at us, coming at us, cleverly designed by professionals intended to make us want what we don't have. All of these telling us we can't be happy unless we buy this stuff. And you're a loser if you don't have the latest and the greatest. And people see our phone and they laugh at us because, you know, because we don't have the latest iPhone. And they laugh at us. Oh, you're not techie or you're not cool or you're not what. Well, yours ain't paid for. And you can't afford it. You shouldn't have it. Okay, I'm saying I just threw that out there. Maybe it's not that, but something. You know what I'm saying? You're getting what I'm saying. Targeting our pride and our desire to be like everyone else, or our inordinate need to be accepted by our peers. But again, they are broke and in debt. Who wants to be like them? Socrates said, "He who is not contented with what he has will not be contented with what he doesn't have." This is why I don't go shopping. I didn't say I don't go buying. If I need something, I'll go shop and buy it. But I don't go shopping. I don't just go shopping as a sport. As something to do on a Saturday afternoon. I don't go shopping. Why? Because I will find something I didn't even know I wanted. Simple ways to save money. Some simple ways to save money. Then invest the money you save. Number one, stop believing the lies. What lies? Well, number one, that things will make you happy. Things will not make you happy. 
It was an eye-opener to me one day when I looked up the definition for the word thing. And the word thing in the dictionary says a thing is an object without life. We're all consumed with our things, but things are objects without life. How can an object without life make you happy? Stop believing the lie that things will make you happy. Stop believing the lie that name brands are better. Some name brands are. Many are not. The writer of the book, Solomon's Seven Secrets to Financial Success, is a millionaire. And he said that he used to buy all of his jeans at Nordstrom's for $85. Okay, the book I looked today was written in 2009, so it's probably 100, 110 now. Okay? But he said that he used to buy all of his jeans at Nordstrom's for 85 bucks. He says now he buys his jeans at Walmart for $8. He says, and I quote from page 114, I looked it up again today, I quote from page 114, he says in his book, these are the most comfortable, longest-lasting, best-fitting jeans I have ever owned. Used to buy Nordstrom's jeans, 85 bucks. Now he buys them from Walmart for $8. Loves them. Stop believing the lie. The third lie, generic, is not as good. Actually, most generic brands are the exact same stuff as major, major brands. Only the label is different. And the price. The price is 40 to 60% cheaper, and it's the same stuff. Some generic brands have higher restrictions and demands on them than their major counterpart does. Not all, not 100%, check it out, make sure, but most. In fact, some of the generic brands are made by, most of them, of the generic brands are made by the major brand. It's the same stuff in different bottles. Same stuff, different price. Stop believing the lie. What lie? That only poor people use coupons and discounts. No, smart people use coupons and take advantage of discounts. In the book, The Millionaire Next Door, the writer says, the opposite of frugal is wasteful. The Bible condemns wastefulness. Not to take advantage of a discount is wasteful. It's like throwing money in the trash. And remember, it's not just the money that we could save that is wasteful, but think of how much money we are wasting if you count not only what we could save, but what that money we saved could turn into if we invested it over 10, 20, 30 years. People could actually get wealthy by just taking the money they could save through clipping coupons and taking advantage of discounts and investing that money in a good mutual fund for a long period of time. Remember I said, you've got money you know not of? You've got more money than you think you do? Another way you have more money than you think you do is that you are not clipping coupons. You are not looking for discounts. I said don't go shopping. Well, don't go shopping just to go shopping, but shop for what you need. Does that make sense? How many understand that? I'm going to run out of time, so I can't say everything I want to say. Remember, it's not, just ne- it's not necessarily the amount, rather the consistency and the length of time in a good investment. So be a couponer. 
Priscilla, our youth pastor's wife, is the is a coupon princess. I thought she was good till I ran into Trina. Trina Anderson. She's not the princess, she's the queen. She's the queen. I have seen her post on Facebook sacks of groceries that the store paid her to take. I didn't say she got a good deal, saved money. I'm telling you, she can go get bags of groceries and they pay her. It's crazy. So I don't buy, I love Starbucks coffee. I brew my own. I don't buy it at Starbucks. I brew my own, but I don't buy it at the store. I get Trina to buy it. Oh, I told you who it was. Don't you, that's my end. You, you have, she's not going to buy you any because she does it for me. Okay? Well, I don't pay $9, $10, a bag for Starbucks coffee. I pay $3, $3.50. If it's a bad deal, four and a quarter. All right? I mean, I've, I bought a whole closet full one time. <laughs> All right? Don't buy the lie. And the lie is only poor people use coupons and discounts. No smart people use coupons and take advantage of discounts. All right. Okay, I, gotta, I have to fix something from last week. I, in my haste and being going fast, I, I misspoke. I said something I didn't mean. And I need to correct it. Good news is you're not listening anyway. All right, I gave you percentages. Let me give them to you again because they're in your notes. House. Your house payment should not exceed 25% of your regular take-home pay. Automobiles. Let me just tell you what it is, not what I told you last week. Everything with a motor that you own, your cars, your boats, your motorcycles, your motorhomes, everything with a motor in it. The total of every vehicle you have with a motor should not exceed one half of your annual income. Now, I said it shouldn't be more than half of your monthly pay or something like that, which is ridiculous. <laughs> I just misspoke, and somebody asked me afterwards. And so forget what, uh, and it's on, the, it's on the recording. I wish it wasn't. I have nothing I can do about that. Hopefully, the, whoever listened on, online last week will listen this week, too, So the correct, for the correction. So let me say it again. This is the correct. Everything that you own with a motor, your cars, your boats, your motorcycles, your motorhomes, the total of every vehicle you have with a motor, total those all up in what they are worth, should not exceed one-half of your annual income, your regular take-home pay. For an example, if your annual income is $50,000, then the sum total of every vehicle that you have that has a motor, total those up, and their value should not, should not be more than $25,000. Everybody clear on that now? Does that make a little more sense? Huh? 
Yeah. It, so if your so if your income if your annual income was a hundred thousand, then then it shouldn't be more than fifty. It should not. Let me just say it again. Every vehicle you own, every vehicle that has an engine, total up their value and their and the and their and their value, what they're worth. That should not be more than what than half of what your annual income is. Not not more than half. Okay. Everybody clear now? Life insurance, 10 times your annual income. Term life insurance. All right. All right. Sorry, I'm out of time. People are at the back telling me to hush. So we're going to hush. Father, thank you for an incredible uh, lesson tonight, an incredible time. Thank you for these that have come, most of them every single Wednesday night. Those that have not have asked for the lesson so they can. Thank you for the interest. God, I pray, Lord, we'll not just be hearers of your word, but we will be doers of your word, Father. Father, I'm believing you, Lord, to turn some, that there's going to be some marriages turn around because they get their finances in order. There, Lord, there's going to be some people that's going to have hope that's never had hope before because they get a handle on their finances. Lord, we just thank you, Father, for these principles. Bless these in Jesus' name. Amen. All right.